0: Did you grow up thinking that you would be doing what people know you for now? Like, are you known for working in tech, but you started out as a restaurateur? Or you were once devoted to writing poetry, only now you're creating content for websites? Almost as a rule in life, we wind up somewhere that we did not anticipate. And that could be all for the better, really. I don't know if I would appreciate nearly as much as I do the fact that I'm doing radio and podcasts like this if it weren't for the fact that I was a landscape lighting entrepreneur before changing course and finding solid footing in the media world. In music, these kinds of twisting roads have led artists like Abigail Washburn to find roots in Appalachian-style music only after becoming homesick while living in China. Gustav Ayes of the Swedish psych-rock band Dunyan learned to play lots of instruments after hearing them sampled in the genre he dove into first, hip-hop. Nantucket, the 1970s and 1980s rock band from North Carolina, started out as the beach music outfit Stacks of Gold, decked out in matching suits on stage. In 2018, the four-piece group Wood and Wire was nominated for a Grammy Award for their album North of Despair. Since their four members had come up playing styles like jazz and punk rock, of course, they would find themselves in a band on the verge of winning nationwide recognition as a bluegrass band from that hotbed of the genre, Austin, Texas. Somehow two plus two equals five with wood and wire. And here they are in a place equally as unforeseen as it is fortunate. I'm your host, Joe Kendrick, inviting you to join me as I talk with singer and guitarist, Tony Camel and mandolin player, Billy Bright, about updating and spinning the old murder ballad, Darlin' Corey into their song, Pigs, bringing in Peter Rowan for a tune How growing up in Houston didn't feel like growing up in the South at all, and how growing up in El Paso could easily be thought of as growing up somewhere not at all in Texas. That's just part of our conversation. And of course, we hear some music from the band's fourth studio album, No Matter Where It Goes From Here, which includes the song you're hearing now, the instrumental, Clamps Shoot. Welcome to Southern Songs and Stories, and our episode on Wood and Wire. Songs and Stories is part of the podcast lineup of both Public Radio WNCW and Osiris Media. Osiris creates music podcasts and events to help music bands deepen their connection to the music they love with all of their shows at OsirisPod.com. Osiris works in partnership with Jam Bass, which connects music bands to the music they love and empowers them to go see live music. Capsule versions of Southern Songs and Stories are produced for broadcast on WNCW by me, Corey Askew. More information about this and other podcasts from Grassroots Radio, WNCW at WNCW.org. I spoke with Billy and Tony on a video call and started by asking about their song Pigs, which was co-written by Silas Lowe. Pigs quotes the age-old murder ballad "Darlin' Corey which was first heard as verses in the song The Gambling Man, brought into circulation from oral tradition by folklorist Cecil Sharp and sung by Mrs. Clercy Deaton at Mine Fork in Burnsville, North Carolina, in 1918. Here's Tony Camel.
1: I love that song, D- Darling Corey, and I've been working on that song for a long time. Over a year, that song had, had a different melody, it was had a different feel, and it wasn't quite there, and... It was a totally different song, really, and then I sort of reassessed where where I wanted to take it, and it's a little bit angsty, as you can tell from the lyrics, and and it's pretty dark as well as uh, Darling Corey, and honestly, I put the Darling Corey chorus in as a filler. I thought, well, I, I need something just to put some gasoline on the fire. I thought it might help uh, inspire me for something else, but then I kind of thought it was cool that way. And, um, and as far as Silas goes, Silas and I were working on a different song together. Um, Silas is a fantastic songwriter. He lives in Nashville. His last record wandering father forgotten son was one of my favorites of 2018. And, uh, he's a good friend and, and cohort, if you will, we were working on a different song and the bridge on pigs, uh, wasn't completed. And I was just sort of stuck there. And I took a few of Silas's lyrics from that other song and applied them to this song with his approval, of course. And, and so that, that was his contribution. And really, it, it rounded out the entire song. I couldn't have gotten that last bit without it, really. Um, but I, I, like the, I like intense songs. I like intense sounds. I tend to gravitate towards that. Uh, some might say I should probably lighten it up some as far as a sonic intensity level on some of my writing, but uh, and write some more slow songs but i don 't know i I just I was like a big psychedelic rock fan and stuff, and so I kind of I like that don 't listen to them feel <laughs> i know yeah you 're right, man. You need to stop listening to other people, but that 's about it you know i mean it 's definitely different than a lot of the stuff that i 've written, and I think that 's one of the reasons that i was excited to share it with the guys and they 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 made it they made it what it is now you know this uh, sort of epic sounding thing that that it that and how it exists now so there's a great woman who's old and wise Was a girl It's been hard to watch this mess unfurl We hang our hats on reality stars Take your money to the grave. You can't take your money to the grave. Ooh, it's a funny world that
0: we're living in. Peter Rowan is from Boston, but he lived in Texas for twenty five years, where he won the Bluegrass Star Award from the Bluegrass Heritage Foundation of Dallas in twenty twelve. He joined Wood and Wire on their song Rody's Circles, adding his name to their list of artists they have played with, which include Tony Rice, Fasser Clements, and Asylum Street Spankers. I asked Billy about what it was like to work with Peter, and if they had any other artists they would like to add to that list. All of them.
2: Um, yeah, you know, working with. Uh, well, I mean, working with Peter on this record in specific. Well, I'll. Uh, I'll refer to that. Um, was it was awesome. It was a. It was a. It was a trip. I worked with him. Many, many moons ago, Peter used to like to say when we were working together, I, he would say from stage, I'm sure he said this from stage before then and continued to afterwards, but he would say that he misspent his youth playing with Bill Monroe. So I can now say that I misspent my youth playing with somebody who played with Bill Monroe, but um, he, uh, he, so um I knew him many, many years ago before he had a computer, before he had a web page, before he had a cell phone, he didn't like cell phones, but he liked to use mine all the time. But, um, he, uh, he, he, you know, it was a trip. It was a trip working with him back then. I did it for about five years. And that was when we were doing the Peter Rowe and Tony Rice quartet as well. But so when it came to working on this record, um, the idea sort of came around, um, in the studio sort of as a, Oh, it'd be great to, this is, I could hear Peter on this track, you know, Trevor saying that, I think, I think he said that. At least I remember him saying that I could have just made it up. But my wife, when I played it for her, she's without any prompting from me or mentioning of Peter, she said, God, I could hear, I could hear Rowan on this track. And then somewhere into the quarantine, I, I decided I was losing my mind. And I just decided, well, screw it. I'm just going to text this to Peter and see, uh, you know, See what he thinks. And, um, and he got right back to me and was, was very enthusiastic about it. He pointed out something that I hadn't noticed about the song, but I think is very true and sort of played into the theme of the rest of the record, which was that it has a very Southwestern feel. And, um, uh, Trevor, the composer of the song is from Arizona. So that would make sense. And, um, anyway, uh, we got, I asked him if he wanted to, uh, try and he said yeah well i've got this microphone that i'm that i just ordered that i gotta wait on and you know we were in the last stages of mixing the record we were already done recording everything so we kind of like had to you know wait around wait for it you know um which is classic you know classic working with peter um so uh it was great i mean he was he surprised me in the sense that he he got all the technological sides to come together and he he you know, recorded it and sent it to me one day, and, and I uh, sort of surprised the band with it, and um, it was fun. It was just good old fun. I, I remember it was the biggest trip when I first went to Nashville with him. I mean, my my first gig in Nashville was with Peter um, playing at the Ryman Auditorium with Bela Fleck on banjo and Vassar Clements on fiddle and Tony Rice on guitar and that was my first trip to Nashville and it's been pretty much downhill ever since then. But, um, <laughs> but uh, it, it really, it really tripped me out to, uh, um, no, just kidding. I mean, I love playing the station in and everything in Nashville, but it really tripped me out that uh, you get there and all those guys, they all start talking like Bill Monroe and like Bill Monroe imitation voices. And it was just like everybody we would run into. And of course, you know, Peter knew everybody we'd run into, people at restaurants and whatever and it would just come up and start talking like oh that ain't no part of nothing you know and all this stuff and i was like what is going on here um so yeah it's he's he's a he's got a truckload of them Ooh, yeah
0: Texas artists seem to keep coming around here at Southern Songs and Stories, and we have episodes on Amanda Shires, The Deer, and Los Coast, where they all talk about how the Lone Star State figures into their music. I asked Tony Camel and Billy Bright about how their music reflected Southern culture and how Texas is unique in its identity.
1: We're not all from the South, but the music certainly has a, just drive virtue of playing, quote, bluegrass music, I think it at least gets stereotyped as uh, part of Southern culture. And it is, um, I guess we all bring different feels of Southern culture to the music, which I grew up in Houston and grew up, uh, on the Gulf coast a lot. So I spent a lot of time all, all up and down the Gulf coast, mostly in Galveston and as well as going to Louisiana and, uh, and is spending a lot of time in Central Texas working on a ranch that my granddad owned, so a lot of my inspiration—that's the southern part of my inspiration. But you know, Houston is one of the biggest cities in the in the country, and it doesn't feel like the South at all to me, anyway. Um, so I think that it's not—if it, if it does exist, it's not something we're uh, intentionally trying to do. But uh, Billy being from El Paso, Trevor being from Tucson. Um, and but Dom is from upstate New York, and he might be the most southern of all of us, frankly. So,
2: <laughs> yeah. I grew up in El Paso, and it's like you know, people in Texas—it's <laughs> kind of a joke in Texas, but it's kind of true. Um, if you if you don't experience all the rest of the Texas most of your life, people in Texas don't think El Paso is really part of Texas, and in a lot of ways, it's it's not. I mean, um, but but you come to. It wasn't until I like I grew up my whole life in El Paso and then going driving across Texas down to down to across the south down to Alabama and Florida to be with my grandparents in the summer and then driving back. But it wasn't until I really spent started to go to Austin and spend time in Austin and Houston and stuff that you realize how much the rest of Texas is really more like the South than it is like the Southwest and, and anyway, it just kind of like I think um, hopefully, if anything, it's just an expansion of of, of that style of music into different um, corners and corridors. I know that what drew me to the mandolin in some way, I've never been able to really put my finger on it, but something that drew me to the mandolin out in El Paso playing in punk bands was something to do with, other than just Danny Barnes and the Bad Livers, it was something to do with the, um, you know, some sentimental sound of the, the, where I'm from. Mm. Um, and it, you know, I've, I've chased it for a long time, <laughs> but I know that had something to do with it.
0: up our episode on wood and Wire with their song My Hometown, which Billy just spoke about. I wouldn't expect to get turned on to mandolin in El Paso either. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Southern Songs and Stories, and I hope you might tell a friend about the podcast. You can subscribe to the series on your podcast platform of choice, and it helps even more when you give it a good rating and a review. Great ratings, and especially reviews, will make Southern Songs and Stories and the artists' it profiles more visible to more people just like you. Southern Songs and Stories is part of the podcast lineup of both Public Radio WNCW and Osiris Media, with all of the Osiris shows available at OsirisPod.com. You can also hear new episodes of this podcast on Bluegrass Planet Radio at BluegrassPlanetRadio.com. Thanks to Sean Rubin for the audio of my call with Tony and Billy and to Corey Askew for producing the radio adaptations of this series on Public Radio WNCW. Our theme songs are by Joshua Ming. I'm your host and producer, Joe Kendrick. And this is Southern Songs and Stories, the music of the South, and the artists who make it.